Your source for community, Muskoka-made talk shows are on Muskoka Magazine, The Bay 88.7. Hey, this is Dr. Shervin. Muskoka Magazine is brought to you by Dairy Lane Dental, keeping Muskoka smiling for over 30 years. Please visit DairyLaneDental.com. This is Boyer's Modern History of Muskoka with your host, Patrick Boyer. Hello and welcome. I'm Patrick Boyer. This program, 10th in our series this year on Indigenous subjects, is a tribute to a unique Canadian. James Carl Bartleman and I shared a friendship over many decades interacting in Muskoka, Ottawa, and Toronto, dealing with book publishing, authorship promotion, government policies, Indigenous affairs, and television work. Jim died on August 14th this year, in his 83rd year. I'd like to highlight for you dimensions of his life that now become his living legacy. The first, of course, was growing up in mid-20th century Muskoka. Jim Bartleman's boyhood in Port Carling gave him a well-grounded view of society. As he put it, that was a ground-level view, looking up from the social bottom where his family lived. But the worldview he had was also dual perspective. Jim and his brother Bob and their sisters Mary and Janet inherited the strong lines of two different cultures. Their mother, Maureen Benson Simcoe, was a full-blood member of the Rama Ojibwe community. Their father, Percy Bartleman was a free-thinking day laborer of Scottish descent. The children's upbringing taught them there was not just one society. Many wheels turned human life. There was no single view, but a diversity of perspectives. Jim learned to live within and to merge both Aboriginal culture and Euro-Canadian practices and patterns. As a child, tucked in a blanket in the bow of his mother's canoe, he listened to waves lapping its sides as Maureen Bartleman paddled from Rama on Lake Kuchiching north to Port Carling. As a boy, he spent time at the dusky Indian village beside the Indian River in the center of Port Carling mingling with relatives and friends who came from Rama for the summer. He listened there to stories told around campfires. He learned First Nation fishing skills. Being Ojibwe was his matrilineal birthright. There were times his mother suffered depression. She would slip away into the woods taking only a pipe, using isolation and tobacco's medicinal properties and her power of spirit to recover and return home. 
In early boyhood years, Jim also felt the example of his father, who was an avid reader. He learned to read with the, Jim, that is, learned to read with the adventure-filled comic books discarded at the village dump near where the Bartleman family lived in a tent. Later, Jim continued reading comics, new ones he bought at Whitting's Drugstore and Ice Cream Parlor with his meager earnings from pumping marina gas and selling fresh-caught fish. His reading continued when he became absorbed by world dramas and human events on the front pages of the Toronto Daily Star. Major news so captured his attention that he often read much of the newspaper before delivering his allotted copies to impatient subscribers waiting along his Port Carling paper route. One day, his father took Jim to the Port Carling Library, where he discovered the most amazing world of all. The librarian welcomed him. He could borrow books for free. The library's seemingly endless shelves opened a new universe. Each book became his passport to an ever-widening world, an escape from the prison of poverty and racism of his time and place. Exposed to the real thing, Jim said, he never returned to comic books. In the late 1950s, his father, Percy, Bartleman was appointed by Muskoka's MPP, my father Robert Boyer, as lockmaster in Port Carling to operate the system for navigating between the different level Muskoka lakes. Critics told Dad a conservative should have got the job. What they really disliked was that appointee Bartleman had an Indian wife and held negative views about capitalism to boot. During the 1930s Great Depression, Percy Bartleman, an intelligent and practical unemployed man, read books to understand the Depression's cause and was drawn to ideas of Karl Marx. His son's middle name, Karl, was spelled with a K, as in Karl Marx, James Karl Bartleman. My dad told the critics, Percy's the best man for the job, and stared them down. Meanwhile, Maureen Bartleman worked summers cleaning rich folks' lakeside homes with teenage Jim along cutting grass and splitting firewood. One of these seasonal Muskokans, American Robert Claus from Pennsylvania, told Jim, whom he'd observed working seven summers for him, that he admired the lad's good work habits and intelligence. This gentleman then added, If you graduate high school with good grades, son, I'll pay your way through university, like I'm doing for my own children. Can you imagine a non-Indigenous Canadian making that generous offer to an Indian kid in the 1950s? After graduating from Western University, Jim traveled overseas, alone. When back, he landed a position in the External Affairs Department at Ottawa, and in time, James K. Bartleman was representing Canada 
as either ambassador or high commissioner in countries around the world. This diplomatic dimension became a mainstay of his life from 1966 to 2002, prime years of his career. Like most diplomats, his, mission, his missions overseas in foreign countries were interspersed with periods back in Ottawa to brush up on domestic politics and keep abreast of the departmental policies. So, James Bartleman became knowledgeable about political life in our nation's capital, as well as conditions of many overseas nations. In addition to reading books and writing clear-eyed appraisals of situations in the field to update Ottawa, he began toying with the idea of writing for the general public. His talent as a storyteller, part of his indigenous heritage from tales told around the Indian village campfires, was leading Jim toward the self-defining rigors of authorship. And his vivid imagination was constantly working. However, before he could externalize his writer's impulse, a surprising detour added two more dimensions to Ambassador Bartleman's life's journey. The first was his secondment in 1994 from external affairs to the Privy Council office to advise Prime Minister Jean Chrétien on diplomatic relations. The Indian kid who cut lawns for a summer job had emerged as a valued counselor at Canada's highest levels concerning the Prime Minister's interactions with other leaders on the international stage. Those world events that Jim read about delivering his newspapers and his view of social diversity gained both in his Muskoka Village laboratory and overseas telegraphed an inquisitive intelligence and instinctive balance that, like twin rails, kept carrying him through a surprisingly eventful career. This roller coaster ride with the Prime Minister lasted a half decade. In 1998, the secondment ended, and the ambassador returned to the more placid life of a harried full-time diplomat. However, during Jim's years interacting intently with the PM on one hot issue after another, Jean Chrétien recognized in him valuable qualities for someone representing the crown in Ontario. As a result, the second unexpected turn on his trail came in 2002 when the PM appointed James Carl Bartleman, Ontario's lieutenant governor. The first time this vice-regal office was held by an Indigenous person. It was, said Jim, as if everything I'd done in life had been preparation for my new role. After a brief station break, let's see how that worked out. By Muskoka for Muskoka, your collection of Muskoka-based talk shows. Muskoka Magazine, The Bay, 88.7. I'm Dr. Shervin from Dairy Lane Dental, and you're listening to Muskoka Magazine. This is Boyer's Modern History of Muskoka, with your host, Patrick Boyer.
Welcome back to my tribute to James Bartleman, who, before the break, just became Ontario's first Indigenous Lieutenant Governor. All Lieutenants Governor must perform official duties in the name of the Crown, signing into law measures enacted by our elected legislators, reading the government's speech from the throne, outlining its intentions for the legislature's coming session, and appearing at countless events. In addition to these formal and ceremonial roles, some wield their prestige and resources of office to initiate projects serving a broader public interest. Lieutenant Governor James Bartleman espoused dealing with depression, something both he and his mother, mother suffered, and providing books and education for Indigenous children. Something else he also knew the need for firsthand. Across northern Ontario, isolated First Nation communities faced empty shelves in the new books the Federal Department of Indian Affairs built, but failed to supply books for. Motivated by his own experience as an Aboriginal youth discovering books in his local library, Bartleman used his persuasive powers to change that. In 2004, he initiated the Lieutenant Governor's book program and persuaded Canadian book publishers to donate volumes, over a million. Citizens to give money and Aboriginal air services to get box loads of books into remote fly-in reserves in a vast overlooked section of the province the size of France. Families began building up precious home libraries. Some youngsters helping unpack the boxes from the small aircraft were so keen, they opened the books and started reading while still unloading. Lieutenant Governor Bartleman's initiative was so impressive that Ontario Premier Dalton McGinty took the unprecedented step of asking him to address the Ontario legislature about it. The initiative spread to other provinces and continues today. Jim recounted when talking about the power of books to an audience at Bracebridge Public Library on November 8, 2006, how his worldwide adventures in the highest levels of Canadian diplomatic service and international relations physically carried him to all corners of the world, but that even though he was able to travel with ease on a diplomatic passport, he always kept his other passport close as well, quietly slipping into the realm of adventure between the covers of a chosen book. By offering this same open passage to other First Nations children, James Bartleman gave expression to the same instinct that a century before drove Andrew Carnegie to build public libraries so that everyone could be equal citizens in the free republic of books. To encourage Aboriginal youths to expand their horizons and enrich their lives through books, he further promoted literacy and bridge building by initiating a program to pair native and non-native schools in Ontario and Nunavut. And he set up summer camps for literacy development in five northern First Nation communities. 
In tandem, he launched a literacy campaign with competitions for young First Nation writers. Now, while fulfilling his public roles between 2002 and 2007 as Lieutenant Governor, Jim's urge to write came to the surface. The originality of his writing flows from having First Nation and non-Indigenous cultures in his makeup combined. That gave Jim double vision on things, plus an easy shifting duality. When he enrolled in a creative writing course at Humber College, his honor climbed from his chauffeured limousine a few blocks from the Lakeshore campus and sauntered over the lawns, minus tie, to sit in the classroom as just Jim and take notes. James Bartleman published memoirs, nonfiction, and novels, the full gamut. His four memoirs grab attention because of the honesty and creativity by which he brings to life experiences as an Aboriginal Canadian, courage in public service, and life intensely interwoven with literature. His breakout first memoir in 2002, entitled out of Muskoka, won a literary award. This coming-of-age saga portrays an impoverished half-breed, as he was called, struggling to grow up in Port Carling's hierarchy of classes, where the local library became his passport and a summer resident paid his university education and his trajectory became getting out of Muskoka and into the larger universe. Bartleman's 2004 memoir, entitled On Six Continents, captured his decades-long adventures in Canada's diplomatic corps and that larger universe. We accompany him opening a Canadian mission in famine-stricken Bangladesh, dodging roadblocks in South America, telling Fidel Castro to back off after the Bartleman's dog was poisoned and Canadian embassy staff harassed by the Cuban regime's thugs in Havana, and surviving a beating, a vicious beating, in South Africa. We share his controversies in the Middle East, where Jim served as Canada's ambassador to Israel, and witness confrontations in Brussels, where he represented Canada to NATO. If that book was not enough to persuade fellow Canadians that diplomatic service to our country is anything but dull, Parliament followed with a sequel the next year. Roller Coaster, as it's entitled, portrays the author's harrowing ups and downs, emotional twists and turns during his hectic years and nights from hell again, his terms, as Prime Minister Chrétien's senior advisor on international relations. These books engage and inform us with insiders' revelations, reflective analysis, and irony. They vividly capture Bartleman's frontline roles as the world and Canada's place in it kept constantly shifting. His fourth memoir, Seasons of Hope, published in 2016, reprises his diverse experience as Ontario's first Aboriginal Lieutenant Governor. All four memoirs 
presenting his unique vantage point on contemporary realities are richly, richly, richly documented with photographs. Jim's three published works of historical fiction and creative nonfiction are entitled As Long as the Rivers Flow, The Redemption of Oscar Wolfe, and Exceptional Circumstances. Each addresses Indigenous experience. Jim was developing some quite brilliant plots for further work in progress that we discussed before time ran out. While his living legacy is superbly recorded in the books he did leave us, Jim's related keenness for reading, literacy, and writing related opportunities for First Nation youth is also part of his enduring gift. He was a man who proudly embraced his Indigenous heritage. His is the sole oil painting at Queen's Park among those of all past premiers and lieutenants governor of a person wearing beaded buckskin. His three-word motto was knowledge, understanding, reconciliation. People really need to know about reality. Having information, people have to understand its meaning. Only then could understanding lead to reconciliation, the ultimate goal. Jim Bartleman began his 2016 memoir, Seasons of Hope, with a quote from Canadian writer Andre Alexis, who said, You can't know what a life has been until it is over. Now that his own is over, we begin to see clearly what the life of James Carl Bartleman was about. He was a humble man of bold vision. He blazed a path for others to follow where there was no trail. He lived through books, reading, writing, and sharing them. He fashioned reality out of nothing but a dream. These elements we cherish as Jim Bartleman's living legacy, even as we now miss him dearly. Thank you for listening to Boyer's Modern History of Muskoka. Our producer here at Hunters Bay Radio is Matt Fisher, a man who shares Jim Bartleman's indigenous heritage. I'm Patrick Boyer. Thank you.